Hello and welcome to the Success with Savita podcast where we share hot tips on how to do life and business without losing your mind. I'm your host Savita Nanjapa, entrepreneur, high achieving 9 to 5er turned transformational success coach, helping you create a wildly successful business. Come hang out with me and other fabulous humans like you every week for stories and chats packed with a healthy dose of tips, resources, how-tos and real talk. Side effects may include a happier and more confident you with each passing day. Welcome to the Success with Savita podcast. 28th of February is World Rare Disease Day. And for this day, we have put together a special episode and we have a special guest for you. Joining us is Hasita Ela. She works in HR by profession and by passion she is a published author, motivational speaker and a disability advocate she was diagnosed with a rare disease called friedrich's ataxia at the age of 10 in the beginning this diagnosis was obviously very heartbreaking for her but later on it fueled the fire to do many many things one of them being to publish a book for children join me as i talk to her about her story and how through her story she is helping to motivate others hi hasita welcome to the success with savita podcast i am really excited to have you here thank you for making the time welcome to the show thank you for having me you're welcome so getting right off tell us your story so far can we take it from there yeah yes so my story is a lot of moving and a lot of the uh, unpredictable thing so uh, get ready to go on this journey with me i'd say buckle up So, um, so basically, I was born in India, uh, in a small town called Karkinada, which is in Andhra Pradesh. Okay. So, I was around nine months, and that time, my parents sort of realized that we don't stay in one place because I was only nine months when we shifted to. US and from then on we kept move, moving moving and moving and it was great <laughs> um okay so moving forward um around 10 years i guess i was diagnosed with a rare disease it's a rare neurological degenerative disorder called Friedreich's ataxia so because it's so rare it took a lot of time for diagnosis so even doctors didn't know what it was so uh, people didn't realize what it was until later on for like 2 3 years so that was a struggle uh, yeah but then later on there were like a few like uh, drug trials which were going on so i used to participate in all those things but uh nothing was really helping me so that's when i was having like mental struggles i would say sure i was having a lot of mental health struggles a lot of depression a lot of anxiety all of that was going on and i was only 10 then okay. so i didn't know how to deal with this new situation that was uh in my hands like all of a sudden so and then uh for me that was an internal struggle but then uh with my environment with like children and stuff 
I used to go to school, like a mainstream school. So over there, like kids would bully me and stuff. So that was also not like favorable, I would say. Like internally, I was going through this and then environmentally, people were doing that. So it was altogether not good. <laughs> and that's when my mom, like America, I was in America at the time, so not when people realized that USA could be a bit lonely, I would say. Like, just because people are more independent, people are with themselves. So that's how America is. And that's when my mom made the big decision of moving back um, to India. So I was around 15, I would say, around 15 when I moved back to India and uh, I think it was just a change of environment and there was this thing called a heartfulness which is a meditation um, institution so I would go to that and then the kids around me even I used to go to a mainstream school in Chennai okay so there like kids around me would be really you know, supportive and nice. And I think it's just the environment that I was in. And, you know, the positivity and the supportiveness and the encouragement that kind of really changed me as a person, I would say. And, um, yeah, and I was, like, in India for 10 years. And in those 10 years, I would say, like, I came back just to transform myself, <laughs> just for transformation, like just for transformation purposes. I came to India and uh, there were a lot of incidents that happened and which actually boosted my confidence and stuff like that. So, and then recently, like only like nine months back, we made the big decision to move back to US again and that too because uh, there's a drug which is coming out for people with phantix attacks here okay. and also got a work transfer so I work as a HR okay. so I work in a company which is in India but also in US uh, Charlotte so they were really nice to transfer me and so I also have a job and I also have this drug which is coming up. It's upcoming, but I'm waiting for it to come. Like little help is, goes a long way. So looking forward for that. <laughs> yeah, I'm praying for that, of course. Um, so my question for you here is, until the age of 10, you had a very normal uh, life. And then this happened. And then for those five years, you went through a lot, right? Like you're saying, medically, uh, emotionally, everything. Do you feel like when you moved back to India, because of the environment that you were in, it also made the way you managed this new way of being much better? It, it helped you in, in overcoming the challenges you already had? Definitely, definitely. I realized that 
uh, once I came to India and then I met all the people and the environment which I was in, it made it helped me realize that there's something that more than this disability that I have. That was all all these fifteen years I was just focusing on my disability and stuff that I didn't have. But there's something which is more uh, which is destined for me, I would say. Uh, and there's something more to my life. And uh, uh, that's something that I didn't realize until after I came to India. So, yeah, that realization, I think, opened so much for me. <laughs> to me, this is interesting because, you know, normally the norm is, oh, here we don't have all the facilities. So everybody's always trying to leave the country, right? And here I'm seeing... Yeah come back so that's a heartening story next question for you uh, Hasita is you were going through all of this right what besides the environmental change and you know the support that you got when you moved back what say has been a quality in you because there's something in you that is helping you deal with challenges and like today you're talking to me and you're reaching out to people you're being visible you you are a motivational speaker what is that inner quality you would say is working for you, has worked for you in dealing with challenges? I think people always tell me, and I think that's correct, that is um, the, you know, the willpower that I have, and I never give up. So, and also that, uh, you know, even after coming to India, there were a lot of people who were very discouraging and stuff, but those things I think actually fueled my passion, fueled my fire in me to become more passionate and, uh, you know, advocate about things that uh, people don't really talk about. So I think the passion, the hard work, the never giving up, the willpower, all these things just go hand in hand and they all work actually for me. Yeah. What I hear you say is also that, you know, we sometimes, we sometimes people tell us, right? People like me who are coaches saying mindset is not everything, which is true. It's all about action. But I think what really matters is also the mindset with which you approach challenges, which you're doing. What made you then write uh, a book? What brought you into writing? Um, you finished your education and then you uh, started working and started your book or... Um... There's one thing which no one knows. To be when I was in school, I I like didn't do good in English. <laughs> I didn't do good in English at all, and I was a bad writer when I was in school. But then suddenly, I don't know what happened, but it hit me when I came to college, and I started writing. I have a blog also. I really like writing it's a way of how I express mm. so uh, writing is just it's something that I have but it's never like it's never been in me from the start it kind oh. of just all of a sudden came right so um, and then this book is more about like um, the number one question that I get asked from people is how do you approach a person in a wheelchair or how do you interact with people in wheelchairs? So 
I think the best answer, like instead of words, instead of telling them, is to visually show them and see someone who's acting correctly and then get inspired by them. So that's what my book is actually. So how to be a better ally to people with disabilities. Yeah. So, yeah, that's what this book is about. It's actually a children's book. Because yeah. uh, I want the younger generation, you know, to be more inclusive and they will shape our future generation. So that's the reason behind it. Yeah. I really like, I mean, I, I, I can connect to this a little bit in a very different way. My daughter goes to a school which also has a lot of, uh, you know, kids with challenges in the same class. So they do have uh, different classes that they take, but they're all in the same class. So for a child like mine who's exposed, they don't see it as differently. So I know you said that, you know, you believe it's really important to start. And what have you seen in your last, you know, 10 years that you've been in India? And now that you move back, what have seen, have you seen that there's been a better understanding, people have changed, are becoming more aware uh, about being inclusive. Is that something that you've observed? What's been your experience? I would say that I guess it depends on the area hmm. or it depends on the people that you're with. Well, with my personal experience, yeah, people are trying to be more inclusive, but uh, there's still a long way to go. Like, uh, because, yes, they have to be supportive as a person as well, but then the infrastructure is also not uh, supporting people with disabilities. Yeah. Um, and that's not the case over here in the U.S. Yeah. Um, one of the number one differences that I realize is that over here people don't stare. Yeah. Uh, and in India, like, it's so crazy. A lot of people stare mm -hmm. and it makes you so uncomfortable. And uh, my mom once told me that uh, people are staring at you because only because you're a big celebrity. That's why they're How staring sweet. at you. <laughs> from that. That's just in my head, always. But yeah, people over here don't stare. They, they are more like to themselves, like I said earlier, so yeah, so that's a difference. Like what you hear so far? Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now. Stay tuned as we take a quick break and we'll see you on the other side of the show. Uh, that's very surprising because, you know, we do so much. I think most of the work of inclusivity seems to be happening in the corporate world. But there's still so much work to be done. And something as simple as staring is, you know, it's, it's something that should be very mainstream. Nobody should have to stop and look. It's not something new to see uh, people um, with any disability. And my next question for you is, share with us a day in your life. Um, you know, you, about work, your writing. What does a day in your life look like? No. So basically, I go to work like twice 
twice a week. Okay. And they have a bus, which, uh, so the public transport is very accessible. Mm -hmm. So they have a bus, which is, um, which has ramps and stuff. So I take that bus and I go to office. And office also is pretty much accessible. So I can manage on my own. Mm-hmm. So I guess the, the independence that this country has given me has changed my uh, mode itself because people have said that you are more active, you are more confident. So I think that's the main reason for that. But so I, every day when I do work, it's more like, you know, cheerful and more confident and stuff like that. So and I'm happy that way. When do you get time to write? When do you usually do your writing? Uh, I'm a nighttime writer. <laughs> I have this small book uh, where I randomly get um, no creative things. They always come like randomly so that you yeah. have a book to write down. <laughs> yeah. And what is... Um, what is your advice to people? Like, I mean, you have a certain set of challenges, but then there are many people who feel like everything is great, right? They're privileged. Uh, when you look at them, they are not, no one, they don't have disabilities, but they still hold themselves back. They still struggle with confidence. They still struggle with, you know, I'm not ready yet. Can I do this? What is your advice for people going through from your perspective? What would you tell them? I would say the number one thing is that our healing, it is not linear mm-hmm. and you should never like compare it with someone else. Mm-hmm. You should never address that healing yeah. because um, it gets different for everyone. Healing is a goal or uh, it, you know, it differs from person to person. So you never rest the process you should always be delicate with yourself and you know you have good days you have bad days all days are good mm-hmm. um nothing is good or bad <laughs> all days are good you have to have both days to you know to keep going on so that's the number one thing which i learned throughout this healing journey so which can go so it's a Lifelong process, so <laughs> never rested. So, what do you tell yourself when when you feel down, when you when you're having a rough day, or when you feel like when you feel like why why me? Why is this happening to me? Do you feel that? And then why me? And if you do, what do you tell yourself when you're down to bring yourself back? So when I'm usually down. I usually go for food and shopping, <laughs> but uh, usually overeating and stuff. But no, uh, apart from that, on a serious note, uh, I try to tell myself that um, with all the rough patches, there's also blessings which we tend to not remember, we tend to forget. And uh, for me, I think the biggest blessing I have is the support system that I have, like not only disability, not only physically, 
but even emotionally if i need any kind of help you know my parents are always there so i'm sad i'm sad like physically emotionally mentally if i need anything i always have someone so i was a mind myself sad i'm always sad so i always have this blessing with me which not everyone has yeah so i realized that and that's a Yeah. So tell us about your, um, I was going to ask you about your support system, but uh, I want to now, you've already shared that. So I want to ask you a different question. I, you know, I love the fact that you're on LinkedIn, you're uh, putting yourself out there, you're pitching yourself. And a lot of people don't have the confidence to do that, right? Uh, is this something that you consciously want to do? Tell us about your speaking engagements. Tell us how do you manage to get so much done? You know, being on social media, creating content, pitching yourself, uh, doing your talks, uh, being on a podcast. How do you do all this? Um, I For me, I think my speaking journey was something totally different, totally wild, which happened. Um... I, when I was in India, I'm basically a shy person. I don't speak. Like, when I had my first, um, like, you know how in school they have this uh, presentation for posters and stuff? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, th- I used to cry for those. <laughs> that was me doing school. And... So I used to never have the confidence for public speaking and stuff. And you would be shocked to say that I got uh, speaking. That was my first one. It was a speaking engagement with Tarazaminpar. Uh, it was called Tarazaminpar with Ashankar Madhav. So that, literally that event is my whole thing. Because it gave me so much of confidence. It gave me so much of like, oh, I can, you know, um, motivate other people. Like, I didn't know that I could do all that. And after that speech that I gave, that's when I I realized that I could. And that's when I continued to do it after that. (laughs) Okay. And now you consistently end up pitching yourself. What well, I, I personally love people who pitch themselves because I think it's the hardest thing to do. Uh, but when you reach out to people, <laughs> uh, you may be not hearing back from a lot of people. So handling all of that, handling that rejection is challenging. But having done, having said that, I still commend you on being on social media. But more than anything, pitching yourself unapologetically. And uh, hats off to you on that. And I hope your speaking career is a long one and I hope you're able to motivate more and more people. Now, uh, I want to ask you about um, when you wrote the book, did you have any, um, right, I mean, writing um, training or or you just decided one day that you're going to start writing the book, put it together? Um, I, I don't read also. Okay. You know, I don't read also. That's something that a lot of people were shocked about. Uh, that you don't read. How do you write? Um, I don't read also. <laughs> but it's what it is. Uh, 
I kind of just wrote and I had a team with me. So the book had illustrations. So that was uh, with one illustrator called uh, Niyati Sharma. She is also a children's book, you know, illustrator. So I worked with her and we also had a parenting coach uh, called Sakshi. Her name was Sakshi. So we all like pitched in together and we wrote books. So a good one. Yeah. He added like value to this book by adding like parenting tips and then the book to for you know, approaching people with disabilities and stuff like that. So Yeah. It's definitely on my uh it's going to be a gift that I'm gonna give my daughter for sure. With that, we have a little game before we wrap up our interview. And um, I, I'm going to call out some words. And you have to just say the first thing that comes to mind. Okay. So let's try this. Life is, complete the sentence. Unpredictable. Okay. Yes. True. Books are? Um, books are deep, I would say. Okay. Family? Family is my heart. <laughs> okay. Are you a cat person or dog person? I'm a dog person. <laughs> okay. A favorite quote, if you have one. Maybe you have many, but one that stands out. Um, One that I really like currently is that you weren't born to break. <laughs> oh, wow. That's a good one. That's a good one. A favorite book. I mean, I know you just said that you don't read, but is that... I don't read, but I read this one book. Um, it's um, in our mission. Our mission as in heartfulness meditation. They release books, so I read this one book of theirs called uh, My Masters. Okay. It's a spiritual book, <laughs> so not many people can relate to it, but I really loved it. Yeah. I'm glad I completed it. <laughs> okay. Three words about you that describe you best. Uh, I would say talkative, um, deep. Okay. I'm a deep person and I laugh a lot. <laughs> okay. So oh. I guess loud. Okay. Very loud. No, I think uh, it's not loud. I heard you laugh. I think uh, it wasn't very loud, but uh, lovely three words to describe you. Before I let you go, share with me your favorite confidence tip, something that maybe I'm going to give a talk or I'm going to be on a podcast interview uh, or I'm going to be on a TV show. Uh, what is your one hack to come across as confident? Do you have, if you have. Yes. Uh, when I was on stage, the there were so many times that I was so scared and there was just one tip which changed my, you know, whole speaking, speaking, like all speeches. Uh, one person told me that uh, act as if uh, no one is there and no one knows your story but you. No one knows your story but you. So even if you forget, even if you lie, even if you, you know, pause, no one's gonna find out. Mm. So own your story 
because no one knows it better than you. <laughs> so that just changed everything. <laughs> yeah, that that's a wonderful tip actually. It's a good one. And finally, now any last words, a message for our audience. Our audience is so mixed. We have a lot of women. Uh, we have a lot of business owners. But what is one message that you'd like to leave for our audience? Um, anything that you'd like to share? Um, I think women specifically, I would say never, you know, you should always dream big. <laughs> Just because you're a woman, never like think that, you know, you're down there or like anything you always have to dream big and keep going on <laughs> yeah and do you dream big what's next for you <laughs> i'm not sure hopefully something <laughs> but yeah okay thank you for sharing and thank you for making the time with us today and for being here with us today i think it's been a lovely conversation to have and yes wishing you all the best and we hope to have you back maybe in a year uh, if you write another book as well. Uh, we hope to have you yeah, back. Definitely. Thank you for having me. You're welcome, Hasita. Thank you. And all the best cheering you on. Let us know, um, you know, how you're doing. And uh, we are all here with you, supporting you. And thank you for being here today, Hasita. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you like this episode and you want more, you can go to the show notes on my website, which is successwithsavita.com forward slash podcast. If you like what you've heard so far, I would be grateful to you if you could leave me a five-star review, subscribe to this podcast and share with a friend who may find this useful. You can also follow me on my Instagram at successwithsavita and DM me any questions you may have and I will be happy to answer them for you. Until the next episode, believe in yourself and all the best to your success.